Hey, welcome to Academy Days, a Christian fiction podcast for teen girls. I'm your host and author, Judith. Welcome to the story. Academy Days, episode 62, Nothing to Fear. Lacey Winters stood on the bottom step of the porch and watched Dad heave his and Mom's suitcases into the back of the van. They were really going on this trip, for real, now. Anxiety snaked up her throat at nauseating speed. Please, help me not to throw up, God. Lacey sank onto the porch swing. Whatsoever things are true, lovely, good. Flora leaned over the porch railing. Bring me French scarves, she said. I'm thinking of revisiting that phase of my life. Lacey cringed. Hopefully not every part of that phase. After all, wasn't Flora here instead of at college because of the dramatic mess she'd made during her last scarf phase? And a leather handbag from Italy, Flora said. Also, we have to stay inside weight limits, Dad said. And were you planning on underwriting these purchases? Daddy, Flora said, all little girl pleading. Okay, we'll see what we can do. Dad sighed and swung the hatchback closed. Mom came out of the house with a bag on each shoulder. Cynthia, we get one carry-on each, Dad said. Right, Mom said. Dad stared at her. Have you counted your bags? Mom nodded. I have one bag. The other one is a purse. A purse is not a carry-on, Ernest. It is a lady's essential. I hope the airline staff see it that way, Dad mumbled, climbing the steps to the porch. Mom sank onto the swing next to Lacey and wound an arm around her. Oh, I wish Ira were here. Aunt Nina stepped out the front door. Forgot your phone, she said, handing it to Mom. She tugged her sister to her feet. Don't worry, I will call Ira once a week to make sure he hasn't overdrawn his bank account, fallen into bad company, or skipped too many classes to visit Carmen at her school. Lacey smiled. Aunt Nina had Mom pegged. Mom gave Nina a hug. You're the best. Would Mom have said that three or four years ago? As they stood next to each other, Mom almost looked younger than Aunt Nina, but only because of the scars Aunt Nina carried. Looking at Nina now, though, Lacey saw light and joy in her aunt's eyes, mischief, too. You'll make sure Lacey doesn't oversleep on school days and on Sunday, Mom said. No fear about Sundays. I can't miss Sunday school, Nina said. I have been building up a whole slew of questions with which to fluster my small group class. I'm having too much fun to miss church these days. Mom pursed her lips. Nina, you are serious about your faith, aren't you? Nina blinked. Absolutely. Then why do you want to fluster the people in your Sunday school? Nina shrugged. It's fun? Mom shook her head. Oh, Nina. Oh, Cynthia. Okay, we need to go, Dad said. Lacey bit her lip, the brief respite of humor dissipating back into a cloud of dread. They really were leaving her for a whole month, with only Flora and Nina for adult intervention and all the things that could happen in the space of four weeks. Don't go, almost burst out of her mouth. Instead, she pressed her teeth against her lower lip and gave Mom a hug. I'm going to miss you, 
Mom said. She gave Lacey a tight squeeze. Call us any time. We paid the extra fees. Not an issue at all. Okay, Lacey whispered, but it wouldn't be the same. She always kind of froze up on the phone. It felt so artificial. Not like chatting about stuff while Mom made dinner. And besides, how could she pick up the phone on a bad day and dump everything on Mom who might be sleeping or posing in front of Big Ben? Dad hugged her next. You'll be as safe as a Swiss bank, he said. Nina promised to check all the windows and doors every night before she goes to bed. Lacey nodded against Dad's shoulder. Silly thing to be scared at night at her age, but without Dad in the house, everything would just feel more vulnerable. Pressure started to build behind Lacey's eyes. Her parents finished their hugs. Nina prayed a blessing of safety. Then Mom and Dad were walking down the front walk to the van. Lacey trailed behind. The driver's door shut, the passenger's door next. The scrunching sound of wheels on gravel. Dad gave three short taps on the horn, the last goodbye. The van eased down the street, paused at the intersection, turned, and her parents were gone. Lacey gulped. Whatsoever things are true, lovely, what were all those other things? Well, Nina said. Well, Flora said. Lacey sniffled. Ah, oh, Lace, it's gonna be okay, Flora said. Sure it will, Nina said. The three of them stood there for a silent five seconds. I gotta go to work, Flora said. Don't wait up, I have to close tonight. She grabbed her bag off of the porch swing and jogged to her car. So I hate to leave you alone, Lace, Nina said, but a friend needs help with video and photography at a wedding. She glanced at her phone, and I'm already late. I should be back before Flora, though. She ducked inside and came back out with her equipment satchel. There's all the Bon Voyage dinner leftovers from yesterday in the fridge. She shuffled her feet. You could come with me, I guess. Do you need an assistant? Lacey asked. Nina slowly shook her head. Not really. Then I'd probably just be in the way. Lacey lifted her chin. Besides, staying here means I get leftover lasagna for lunch and supper. Not fair, Nina grinned. Okay, text if you need anything. Lacey went into the empty house and stood in the quiet front foyer. A motor clicked on. The heating and cooling unit. Something snapped. A, a floorboard adjusting in the changing temperature of the house. A, a fluttering noise came from the living room. Lacey peered into the sunlit area. Oh, a corner of a newspaper catching the updraft of the air vent. See, think about stuff that is true, Lacey. Don't make terror out of air and paper. Lacey took a deep breath. She was fine, almost 16. The day was warm and sunny. She had the house to herself. This should feel wonderfully freeing. What would a normal teen do under these circumstances? Blare music? Eat ice cream right out of the carton? Throw a wild party? How disorienting, cold, and overwhelming. I'm such a boring person, Lacey mumbled and shuffled upstairs. I'm practically a 95-year-old in a teen's body. She trudged up the tower steps. Okay, well, that wasn't really fair to the 95-year-olds of the world. Gammy was old, and she was not boring. Scary, 
but not boring. Lacey flipped open a notebook on her makeshift desk and stared at her latest novel writing attempt. It's probably boring, too, Lacey sighed. She sank down onto her window seat, pulled her knees up under her chin, and hugged her legs. The edge of a deja vu feeling nudged at her mind. She'd sat right here to think and pray lots of times, but something told her she shouldn't let herself slip any further into this malaise of fear, self-doubt, insecurity. She wasn't supposed to wallow there anymore. The day she'd forgiven Xavier and his friends for their mean words came back to her. She'd asked God, who am I, that day, and he'd told her. She was redeemed. She was his. Lacey straightened and took a deep breath. Sorry, God, she whispered. I know I'm growing. I'm who you created me to be. She picked up her pen, and if this story needs a lot of revision, that's normal. Somewhere below, a bouncing tune echoed up the stairs. Her phone, where'd she left it? Lacey scrambled out from behind her writing table, banged her knee on a ceiling joist, and nearly lunged headfirst down the tower steps. She finally arrived in the kitchen, only slightly injured, and found her phone on the island counter. One missed call from Miss Tomer? Weird. Why was her English teacher calling her? Lacey tapped her teacher's name. Lacey, I'm glad you called back. Did I miss an important assignment and now I'm going to fail 10th grade? Lacey asked. Miss Tomer laughed. Of course not. No, I have a real-life writing opportunity for you. I've already talked to Freya, and she's agreed to help me, but I want your help too. Somehow, I got tasked with the church Christmas program this year. I'm working on a, the outline of a cantata drama thing, but I want you and Freya to help write the scenes. What do you think? Lacey culped. Miss Tomer thought she could write well enough for church, like for people to actually hear words she'd written. Whoa, that was amazing. Yeah, but what if she couldn't do it? What if she failed? What if everybody from school came to the play and thought it was boring? What if, Lacey, what do you think? Think? How could she pare down to a simple response all the emotions and thoughts running through her mind? I've always admired the natural tone of the dialogue in her writing, Miss Tomer said, and Freya has such imaginative action scenes in her stories. I think the two of you could really add a lot to a stage production. Longing and excitement pulsed against the crowding doubts. Lacey took a deep breath. What had God just reminded her of up in the tower? That she was his. That meant not being a slave to fear. That meant taking hold of the gifts he handed her. Yes, I'd like to do it, Lacey said. Really? Miss Tomer actually sounded relieved. I'm so glad. Okay, I'll email you the outline with the scenes I want you and Freya to work on together. Sound good? And just call if you have any questions or you can talk to me at church or school. Lacey hung up and leaned on the kitchen counter. Wow, now this was something real and purposeful to think about. Her phone rang again. Did Miss Tomer just call you? Freya asked. This is so fun. Let's start today. A half hour later, Lacey and Freya sat at the kitchen table, computers open, lattes and snacks at hand, and wordless music playing in the background. They looked at each other over the tops of their screens. Um, 
where do we start? Lacey asked. Oh, let's look at the outline Miss Tomer emailed us. She's worked with the music pastor to choose songs to go in between each scene. I think if we know the overall plot and theme and work up to those songs, we'll have a good start, Freya said. Lacey bit her lip. Usually when she wrote, she just started from a picture in her head a piece of dialogue or a dreamy vision of big houses, royalty, or mysterious disappearances. This felt a little forced. She scanned over the outline. It told the biblical Christmas story and highlighted characters along the way. Lacey scrolled back to scene two featuring the innkeeper's daughter. She sipped the foamy vanilla of her latte. Freya, the Bible doesn't really describe the innkeeper or his family, does it? Freya shrugged. Don't think so. So, Lacey mused, if you were an innkeeper's daughter during the busiest season your town had ever seen, how would you react to yet one more customer asking for a place to stay? I would probably get my brothers to build bunk beds in the attic, she grinned. I have six brothers and sisters, Lacey. My family is kind of expert at finding more room when there isn't any. She stirred her drink. How about you? Lacey cringed. Crowded and loud environment, pushy people being pulled from one job to the next. She would have been an emotional mess. I'd be incredibly grouchy, she said. I'd probably go hide in the fields with the shepherds until everybody went home. Okay, well there's her mood. How about her motivation? Freya asked, what does this chick have to look forward to? I don't know. Lacey nibbled on a pretzel. An arranged marriage. With somebody who'd be an advantage to her father's business, maybe. Having kids. Especially having a boy. Maybe she just found pleasure in honest toil, Freya said. Maybe, but surely it all looked pretty flat some days, Lacey said. People are people, whatever the time period. They need to know there is something real and deep in their lives. Freya nodded. Well, she would be like all the other Jews, waiting for a Messiah to solve all problems and to lead to victory, even if she didn't fully understand what that messianic victory would mean for her personally. Lacey tapped into some of the unsettled, restless feelings she'd worked through last year. Uncertainty about her image, what people thought of her, the need for friendship, and now, how she had to remind herself over and over to look to God for strength and truth. Do you think this girl, this fictional girl, would she have learned to trust God? I mean, she probably went to, what was it called? Lacey did a quick search. Synagogue. She would have gone to synagogue, right? So she would have heard about the Messiah and all. Do you think that would have been enough for her? You know, to trust God with her future, with her present? Freya waved her spoon. Oh, maybe. I mean, didn't Mary? She surrendered to God's will right away. Lacey nodded. But trusting God was a choice. Had this fictional girl made that choice? Maybe she feared the Messiah would never come. Maybe she feared all those strangers in the marketplace and around the well. 
Maybe in the midst of busy crowds she cowered at the thought of her own insignificance. But slowly, the star, the couple in the stable, the excitement of shepherds, these things would bring the innkeeper's daughter to Jesus. Okay, I think I'm ready to start writing, Lacey said. Good for you, Freya said. She jumped up and started doing some kind of aerobics. I've got nothing. Gotta move. Gotta get the blood flowing to my brain. Lacey planted her fingers on the keyboard. Okay, God, here goes. You can have the results. They took a lasagna break at lunch and kept on writing. Finally, Lacey pushed back from the table and rubbed her eyes. I finished my scenes. Her voice came out scratchy and tired, but she'd done it. Would it connect to what Freya was doing? What Miss Tomer envisioned for the whole program? Freya banged away on the keys for a few more minutes. Then she shut her laptop and pillowed her head on the table. I think I like it, but I'm not sure. Maybe it's a mess. Mine too. Lacey pushed away an empty mug, an empty soda can, and an empty smoothie cup. She propped her elbows on the table and put her chin in her hands. Suddenly, a thump came from the front porch. Lacey sat up straight. Oh, she hadn't locked the door after letting Freya in. The front door creaked open, and a breeze swept through the house, fluttering the memos and cards clipped to the refrigerator. Lacey glanced at the time. Neither Flora nor Aunt Nina should be home yet. A cough echoed down the front hallway. A man cough. Who? Freya began, and Lacey glared and raised a hand. Freya's eyes went wide. Lacey looked around for something sharp. The tab on a soda can. Too small. She eased out of her chair and tiptoed to the knife block beside the stove. She turned, meat carver in hand to catch Freya's horrified stare. A series of thumps came from the front hallway. A thief! A thief had broken into the house to steal what? Mom's collection of china ginger jars? Dad's laser printer? Lacey's hands shook, and the knife slid from her grasp. It clanged against the handle of the stove and clattered to the tile floor, just missing her bare feet. Hello? A gruff voice called out. Freya skittered around the counter and pulled Lacey down to the floor. Where is your phone? She breathed in Lacey's ear. Lacey grabbed the knife again. I don't know, she gasped. I think it's in the freezer. Freya, my phone is in the freezer. Are you kidding? Freya glared. Who puts their phone in the freezer? I was texting when I got up to make smoothies. I just set it in one of the door shelves for a second while I grabbed the frozen fruit. Freya, I can't afford a new phone. A gagging, coughing, harumphing noise came from the front hallway. Lacey gripped the knife tighter. Where's your phone? Freya hugged herself. The battery died an hour ago. I didn't ask for a charger because your whole family has those fancy pants phones with incompatible chargers. Now is not the time to insult my family's technology, Lacey said. Grab a knife. We'll go out the back door and call the police from the neighbors. Freya slowly reached up and pulled a serrated bread knife from the block. Seriously, she'd have to solve for months to do damage with that thing. This was getting gruesome. 
Lacey led the way in a squatting walk towards the back door. She'd just passed the dishwasher when, Lacey, why are you crawling around on the floor? Did you lose something? The voice was low and raspy, but Lacey knew that voice. She stood, turning slowly, holding the knife down at her side. Ira? She looked down at Freya's upraised, terrified face. It's only Ira! It was Freya's turn to drop her knife with a clatter. She jumped up and stared at Ira. You? Me. Ira said in a bass tone worthy of a southern gospel singer. Then he proceeded to cough up a lung. You're sick, Lacey said, grabbing up Freya's knife while Ira had his face buried in a wad of tissues. She slid both knives into a nearby drawer. Yeah? Ira leaned his forehead against the frame of the kitchen doorway. I may be hallucinating, too. I thought I saw you and that other girl carrying knives. He doesn't even know my name, Freya said. Go to bed, Ira, Lacey said. I'll find meds and bring up ice water or tea or whatever. Just take your germs upstairs, okay? Ira moaned and stumbled back out into the hallway. Lacey flung open the freezer door and grabbed her phone. The screen looked kind of misty, but it still glowed bright. She rubbed it vigorously against her skirt. You think he'll forget about the knives? Freya whispered. He looked ready to faint. That's a good sign, Lacey said. She hurried into the restroom and checked the medicine cabinet. Yes, she grabbed a box of cold meds. Oh, it was empty. Who put an empty medicine box back into the cabinet? Probably the same person who put her phone in the freezer. Lacey opened her messages to text Nina or Flora for help and saw two unread texts. Flora had some complicated story about driving a co-worker three hours away to pick up party decorations for a cousin's friend's wedding. And Aunt Nina said her car had broken down so she'd booked a hotel for the night. Both assured Lacey that the other would be home soon so everything would be fine. So much for adult supervision. The sound of Ira's cough as he stomped from the bathroom to his room vibrated the floorboards above. Hum, so I guess I should go home, Freya said. Lacey slumped. Okay. Email your scenes to Miss Tomer. I'll do the same. We can regroup or do revisions next week at school, Freya said, packing up her stuff. Yeah, if Lacey survived that long. She trailed Freya to the front door and watched her friend climb onto her bike. The sky was turning dusky. It would be dark soon. Little safe Easton or not, Lacey's parents didn't like her to ride her bike downtown, her scooter, come to think of it, after dark. So going to the drugstore for cold relief wasn't really an option. Besides, what if Ira keeled over while she was gone? She waved goodbye to Freya. She locked the front door and stood in the front hallway, listening to Ira coughing and blowing his nose. Well, she could take him tea anyway. In Ira's room, she sat the tea on his bedstand. Why are you home anyway? She asked the lump under the pile of blankets. I have a cold, Ira croaked. So they kicked you out of your dorm? No. You didn't want to spread the germs to your roommate. No. 
Then why? At least it hurts to talk. Can you just go? Lacey shrugged and turned towards the doorway. You heard from Carmen lately? Ira asked. Lacey turned slowly. Sure, she's actually coming home tomorrow afternoon for a few. Ira sat up straight in bed. She is? Yeah? Lacey squinted. Wait, why is that news to you? Don't you guys talk constantly? Ira fell back onto his pillow. She said she wanted to take a break. He disappeared back under his blankets, whatever that means. He sneezed and reached one hand out from beneath his burrow to grab the tissues. Can you find me another box? This one's almost empty. Lacey skittered out of the room. Ira and Carmen weren't together anymore? What was up with that? Suddenly, the ridiculousness of the whole thing hit her. She and Freya clutching kitchen knives. Ira's wobbly entrance into the house, his overwhelming cold, and now his forlorn relationship status. A giggle bubbled up and burst out. Lacey slapped a hand over her mouth. Her shoulders shook and tears welled up in her eyes. Her parents were gone. Her sister and aunt were away for who knew how long, and she, Lacey, was in charge. And somehow, none of this was particularly scary after all. Ridiculous, but not scary. I'm going to be okay, right, God? Lacey whispered, still laughing. And one day, God had shown her that he had plans for her. He knew her. And all the unfounded fears she could cook up in her imagination. God could handle those, too. Lacey jogged down the steps in search of tissues. Wisdom meant using her head to stay safe. Trust meant... Letting God take care of the rest. Ira sneezed upstairs and something crashed to the floor. Bring a mop! Ira rasp yelled. So much for hot tea. Lacey rolled her eyes. She had a feeling that with the lovelorn, perishing Ira upstairs ordering her around, she wouldn't have time for fear anyway. Thanks for listening to another episode of Academy Days. Just a few things. If you would like to send me an email, send it to academydayspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to support me, the author, you can click the support link in the show notes. And third, if you have not left a review, please go ahead and do that now. Thank you for listening again and again, even though I'm not getting these episodes out super fast. But thank you for still being here and enjoying the story. Happy New Year. Bye.